Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. You know, one of my favorite movies that I've... It's a movie, actually. When I was a kid, I, I didn't watch anything black and white, you know? Uh, not even the old Bugs Bunny cartoons black and white. I was like, we need to go in. But this is a movie that as I've grown up, it's really become one of my, one of my favorites. And if you're with us, you know that we're in this Advent season. And we, last week, we talked about hope and about how our hope, just, just like the rope that we talked about, the analogy where our hope is woven together, all these things that the Lord has given us, and it's so important that we lean in, that you, hopefully you're doing a better job of tying things down than I did with my mattress. Remember my mattress tragedy left from last week? Uh, for those of you, you're like, what are you talking about? Um, I talked about how, how my son and I, we got this mattress we, we tied it to the, my van, minivan, and how many minivan people we got out there, the cool folks in the room, right? And then as we got going, the rope that I used was not good, the knot wasn't good, the mattress flew away. That's why it's so important that we put our hope in something that is strong and stable. This week, as we move forward, we're talking about peace. And if you remember from the movie, if you watched it, we're looking at George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life, and George finds himself in the middle of a storm. It's the storm that he's in. And if you remember, the, the storm happened when his, uh, when his Uncle George, when uh, his Uncle Billy, rather, lost all of the money from the savings and loan company, and it's a mistake that could cost him his business, it's a mistake that could cost him his house, and a mistake that could ultimately end up with uh, George going to prison. Just before all this happened, I mean, George Bailey, he was having a great time. He, they're getting ready for Christmas, the kids are decorating the tree, but isn't it amazing how quick we can go from peace to a storm? Have you ever experienced that? It's like things seem to be going great, then all of a sudden somebody steals your catalytic converter or someone takes away the last piece of fudge, or whatever it is that causes you to go in this storm. It's amazing how quick this happens. And it's, it also seems like, much like George, you know, George, he, he was really focusing on trying to help people, help people buy their first home, help them manage their finances and get ahead in life. But isn't it true that it seems like sometimes the more that you try to help people, that the harder it can get? Have anybody has ever experienced that? That sometimes the more you reach out, the more you do it. That it can even cause you at times to go, well, Lord, why am I doing that? Why am I, why am I helping people? Maybe if I just kind of step back for a minute, I just kind of isolate myself, and I'm just going to get a little A-frame up in the San Juan Islands, and it's just going to be me and the whales, baby, forever, just doing that. Well, we know that's not the right response. Isolation is not what we're called to. Isolation causes its own problems. But we need, instead of leaning into it, we leaning away from it, rather, we need to lean into what the, what the Lord says. Because storms are going to come, hard times are going to come. And this is what the Isaiah, what prophet Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 26. And this is our, this is our, our, our verses for today. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. Let's read these together. Read with me. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. So, Lord, we look to you today. We stand on the rock of our salvation. So, Lord, anoint me today. Empower me to, to speak your word, your truth. You are the Prince of Peace, and, Lord, we need that today. So speak to us, I pray, in your name. And everyone said together, amen. So as we focus on peace today, we're going to be focusing on a couple of things. First of all, though, I want to begin with what are we talking about when we talk about peace? What is peace? 
See, when we think about peace, we tend to think about that peace is the absence of conflict. And unless you're uh, not like me, I, I don't really run towards conflict. Anybody here, like, you, you run towards conflict? I'm not talking about first responders, right? But, you know, but I'm talking about that, that, that whole act of where, where, as it relates to conflict, we tend to enjoy having peace in our life. So when we think about it, we think about the absence of conflict and this tends to show up in two arenas. First of all, there's that internal peace, right, where my soul is at rest. Uh, I'm not worrying about anything today. I, you know, I have clarity of thought, not filled with anxiety, not filled with fear. And that's a wonderful thing to have. That's the internal peace. But then there's also, there's an external peace. And the Bible talks about this peace where we want to have peace in the world around us, where we're not at odds with those around us. Uh, can involve nations where nations aren't, are not fighting, and this is why it's one of the things that we pray for, and one of the things that the Bible continues to encourage us to pray for is that we would pray for this peace. But even, even just in our own, own circles as well, where people are respectful towards one another, and we have this external peace. But what I've found, you've probably found as well, is that the internal as well as the external, they're connected, aren't they, Right? Because if the world around us is in chaos, then that can affect the internal peace that we have. And likewise, if our internal peace is off, then this can affect how we treat people and we start going around stealing peace from everybody around us, right? Have you ever experienced that where like someone's off? You know, it used to be said, you know, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. Have you heard that before? But what I've found is that if dad's not happy, no one's happy either. And if the kids aren't happy, no one's happy either. I mean, it's not just a mom thing, right, moms? Right? And if mom's not happy, maybe, maybe it's my fault after all. <laughs> There's been some, some peace that's gotten knocked off. See, people who are not at peace can infect those around them. And I've done it. And if you're honest with yourself, you've probably been guilty of doing that too. See, peace is so important. And it's so important that in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that Peace is the thing that the Lord uses to guard our hearts and to guard our minds. And, and I, I remember, like, even as a kid, as a kid, I knew that peace was a thing that everyone was looking for. As a kid, you know, they would walk up to us at, at Christmas time, and your teacher, your Sunday school teacher, or your mom and dad, and they say, Dwayne, what do you want for, for Christmas? And if I wanted to sound really smart and really kind of sharp, I'd say, I just want world peace. Anybody say that? And then they'd laugh like you laughed. They said, no, really, tell me something I can actually have a hope of getting you. See, it made me sound smart, but, but peace sounded like something that was unreachable. But in the Bible, when the Bible talks about peace, peace is actually a common word. And in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word shalom. Everyone say that, shalom. Shalom. And it's, it's a word that it, it can often mean the absence of conflict and the, and the absence of war. But biblically, it's referring to not just the removal of something, but it's referring to giving us something better. Something better. See, when the Bible talks about shalom, it refers to the state of, of wholeness or, or being complete, you know, like a, like, like, like a stone that has no cracks or, or like the, the walls of a city that are, are complete where there's nothing missing, there's no gaps in it. It's, it's complete and strong and safe. And it can also refer to something that's very complex that is working well together, where there's nothing missing at all. And you know, as I've been studying this, uh, one of the people that, I, that I've loved listening to and reading about is uh, Tim Mackey from the Bible Project. And if you haven't checked the Bible Project out, I highly encourage you to do that. But Tim Mackey, he, he describes shalom this way. He says that shalom is about the fact that life is complex, 
full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. And we see, and we see examples of this uh, all throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, in Job 5.24, uh, Job said that his tents were in a state of shalom because he counted all of his flocks and no animals were missing. When David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked his brothers about their, their shalom, meaning how are things going? How is your state of well-being? And in the book of Proverbs, to reconcile or to bring healing to a broken relationship was to bring shalom, shalom. And in Exodus 21, 22, when, when Moses talked about shalom, he instructed the people that if someone steals or causes harm, whether them or their animal came in and trounced all over your crops, that that person was responsible to make it good or to make a full restitution in order to make something whole again. In other words, they were responsible to bring shalom. Shalom. See, in other words, true peace, when we talk about true peace, what the Bible is really telling us is that true peace, it really begins at the human level. It really begins at the one-on-one relationships that we have with one another. See, we can be very critical, right? We can talk about that person over there, or that nation over there, or that governor, or that mayor over there, and we talk about all the things around us, but when we look at the Bible, the Word of God, Jesus looks at us and says, how are you doing? (laughs) What's happening in your life, right? This is the level where true peace begins or it fails. So in other words, peace in the world begins with you. Peace in the world begins with you, with me, with, with people around us, with those that are right here, right now. And this was you know, Jesus, he taught about this a lot, and it was actually one of the great conflicts that, this, that the disciples had with him, right? Because they had all of these prophecies, all these things talked about Jesus, that he would be the king of kings and lord of lords. And, and so they expected when Jesus came, and when he came, Rome was at rule, and, and they were not very nice rulers, right? They were, uh, they were coming in, they were very oppressed, they were heavily taxed. And so when Jesus showed up the Messiah, they expected him to start swinging the sword and to start taking care of Rome, you know, conquer them, Jesus, destroy them, Jesus. This is what the Prince of Peace does. But Jesus had a completely different answer. See, Jesus' focus was on the individuals. He didn't take away responsibility or accountability, but he looked at the individual. Because the world has changed one person at a time. See, you can't legislate peace. I'm all for good rules. I'm all for doing all of that. But just because you have a rule, does that make people abide by the speed limit on I-5? Does it make you abide by the speed limit on I-5? Ouch. See, we can complain about others. But what Jesus does, he turns the mirror on us. When we complain like this way, Jesus, you know, so good. So good. In Matthew 7, he... He says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? Why do you look at the speck in your sister's eye but fail to notice the beam coming out of your eye? Now think about that, right? And I know it's figurative, but, but if, if there's a beam in your eye, you're, I mean, I imagine this person walking around with a beam, and they got a beam in an eye and looking at the person and going, do you know there's some dust in your eye? 
I mean, how hypocritical. But this is what we do. So in other words, as it relates to peace, what Jesus is saying is that there's no peace in the world until there's peace within me. Right? See, peace, shalom, that the Bible is talking about, it begins with me. Just, just say, say that peace begins with me. Peace begins with me. See, this is the peace that changes the world. This is the peace that changes everything. And not only that, I think why it's so powerful, one of the many reasons why it's so powerful, is that when you come across a person that has this supernatural peace, it's contagious. I mean, doesn't it make you want to lean in? And especially as people get to know you, right? They know that you're not immune from stuff. They know that you're not immune from difficulty. But they get around somebody that they know there's hard times, whether it's with their family or their kids or their jobs or their personal health or all of these things, and yet they look at them and they see peace. They see peace in their life. And it makes them want to lean in and say, how are you doing this? I've been pulled aside at, at times. Now, there's times I mess up, but there's, there are times that I've gotten it right, a few of those. <laughs> and I've been pulled aside. And I've heard others of you as well. And I've gone to some of you that I've seen you going through difficulty. And in the middle of it, there's this attitude, this infilling of the Holy Spirit that enables us to stay centered in Jesus. And it's contagious. And it makes people want it. And even in the Bible, there were even people that went to Jesus and said, can I buy this, right? Can I buy this power? Can I buy this? So how do we get this peace? Well, it's a type of peace that you can't get this peace on your own. And it's a type of peace that I can't get it from you, as beautiful as you all are today. But to get this peace... You have to go to the owner, and there's one owner, and he's the prince of peace. See, Jesus is the owner of true peace. He's the prince of peace, and that's why in Isaiah 9 it says this. It says, for a child will be born to us. Of course, I've got the handle Messiah playing in my heart and my mind right now, but you know where it says, for unto us a child will be born, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name shall be called, say this with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. Don't you wish you were in Benaroya singing this right now? When we look at that word prince, prince is a very intentional word because prince means ruler. And it means that not is it Jesus just a prince of peace, but he's the ruler of all rulers. He is sovereign in every situation. He rules over all and has complete authority. But, uh, but prince also means that Jesus has ownership. Jesus, he's the owner of peace. And so in other words, no true peace is achieved except through Jesus. See, Jesus was the only one who gave peace wherever he went. I mean, think about all the things that Jesus did. There was difficulty surrounding him everywhere. But he brought peace to the physical storms. He calmed relational storms in people's lives of those that would surrender to him and go to him. 
See, Jesus is the only one who can bring shalom and make, which means, again, to make things right in every arena of our life. But yet, so many, they don't want to go to Jesus for peace. And even for us, have you ever had times when it was hard to pray? You knew the right thing to do now is just stop and pray, right? All of us. But there's just so much turmoil, so much turmoil. And, you know, I should go to the front of the boat and say, Jesus, get up. <laughs> I need help right now. But there's times that it's just, man, it's even hard, hard to pray. See, we, we can know that he's the Prince of Peace. We can know he's the owner. We can know he has full authority, but yet we don't want to go to him. Has everything we need, but we still fall victim that we just want to do it on our own. We just want to do it my way. We just want to focus on ourselves. See, why don't we go to Jesus? Why don't we want things to be brought back into order in our lives? And why are we in a world that struggles with that? Well, we struggle with things, you know, it, it all comes down to the price, I think, for a lot of things, doesn't it, right? I want this, but it's a high cost. I don't know if I can afford that. And as it relates to this, the price for all of this is denying ourselves, not just giving up the stuff I don't want, right? This, this is not just getting stuff ready for, for a good, goodwill clean out, right? And you're just bringing stuff. This is everything. Surrendering everything to Jesus, bringing him everything in our life. See, the gospel hinges on this. Remember the gospel? The gospel begins with creation. We're made by God, made in the image of God. And he loves us. And, and because he loves us, because we messed up, he gave his son in order to be reconciled. That's the gospel. Made in his image, we messed up. God gave us his son so that we can be reconciled to him. But this giving of a life is a two-way street. Jesus gave his life for us. We give our life for him. Did you know that? He gave his life for us. We give our life. We give everything for him. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But unfortunately, we are lovers of ourselves instead of God. We want to do it on our own. And when we don't want to give something up or when we don't want to pay the price... What do we lean into? Counterfeits. How many of you bought a counterfeit before? You've been kind of snuck with a counterfeit before. Isn't that terrible? Right? But we all, we all do this. We find something that we really want, right? It's the, it's the real deal. And it's like, well, I don't know if I want to pay that much. So we try to find something over here that's kind of like it. It's going to work for a while. But it costs a lot less. And so we settle for these counterfeits. And anything that is valuable, anything that's popular, anything that's highly sought after will always have a counterfeit. I mean, this is true in every area of our life. See, when we find ourselves in, in a storm, in this crisis, and we're anxious to get out of it, reaching for Jesus means that we give up everything. So if we don't want to give up everything, it's like, what can I reach out to that just requires just a little piece of me, something I can control? See, we will reach for whatever will mediate or medicate the problems. I mean, that's why people will stay in a toxic relationship in order to try to bring peace to their loneliness. People will turn to drugs and alcohol instead of Jesus to, to try to bring peace to their pain. People will even keep themselves busy and become workaholics in order to bring peace to their fear of failure. 
See, the problem with a, with a counterfeit piece is that they can fool you for a while, and it can have that initial hit of it feels good, I think everything's going to be okay this time. But counterfeits, after a while, they will eventually fail. Everything can seem to be working out, right? The cheap bag works for a while, right? It says that it's Gucci, but it's really a gooky. <laughs> That's not my market. And everything goes well until the rain comes and the whole thing falls apart. The stitching falls apart, the bag falls out. And everything crashes. And see, this is the problem because we'll get a counterfeit hoping it'll be the real thing and we put all the things that are valuable into it, right? We'll put what's valuable to most people, we'll take our phone and we'll put it in there. And then the thing fails and now our phone's in the dirt, it's in the mud, it's wet. It's ruined. It's trampled on because we trusted a counterfeit. See, counterfeits seem to be cheap until you lose everything. Isn't that true? So, Jesus came <laughs> to, to give us the real deal, something better, something stronger. He came to give us a peace that will protect us and will guide us and enable us to live the life that God has for us. So, how is this real peace achieved? How do we get this real peace from Jesus? Well, Isaiah talked about it. We get the real peace from Jesus with a key word. What's that word? Trust. Trust. How many are awesome at trusting everything around them? See, the peace of Jesus is only achieved by completely trusting in Jesus. That's what trust is. Trust isn't like this, right? Trust isn't like kind of walking out going, yeah, I'm walking, I'm, it's going okay, That's why Isaiah said in chapter 26, he even said, you will keep in perfect peace, perfect shalom, those whose minds are steadfast, meaning focused on Jesus, because they what? Trust. Because they, they, they trust in you. See, trust means that we are confident in something, that, that we lean on it completely. Like right now, I trust this table. I'm not worried about it falling over. I trust my wife. That's what marriage is. We've, we've committed ourselves to each other. And we've grown stronger because of that. See, when we trust something, we lean completely. We risk everything. In other words, if it fails, I'm going down. Because <laughs> I'm standing on it. I'm trusting it. I'm committing to it. Why would we do that? Why would we live lives where we trust in that way? Because that's what living life is about. Living life, the life to the full that Jesus talks about, it requires that trust. I mean, all these things, that, that the, some of the greatest things that I love to do involves a level of trust. Whatever they are, I mean, you can kind of fill in the blank, but the things that bring us the most joy, it requires that level of trust. I mean, otherwise, we're going to go around suspicious about everything and, and isolating ourselves because we trust nobody, we trust nothing. You know, I don't want to go on the water because um, I, I don't trust the water. I don't want to go hiking because I, I, I don't trust the trails. Uh, I don't want to go to church because I, I don't trust cheap, trust those, uh, those church people. Uh, we, and we, we, we don't want to go anywhere. We isolate ourselves. I mean, that's the definition of Ebenezer Scrooge, if you heard of him. Trust nobody. There's good reasons for it. But life is about learning and growing, which involves risk and learning to trust. 
you know, as I was going through this, and you know, we're in, you know, this time of year, you know, I've, I've been an adult for a few years now. And as I think back, but when I come to Christmas, I still think about Christmas as a child. Anybody with me? And one of my favorite things, because back then, you know, w- when I went through school, we used to get a month off for Christmas. It, it's Canada, folks. And, and not only that, it was about that season as well that the ponds would start getting thick enough to where we could play ice hockey. And as we mentioned hockey, please pray for the Kraken, Okay. Six games losing, so Lord, I'm trusting. But, I be, but my mind goes back to how as a kid, I, I live for hockey. And the thought of having a month off, I grew on one of the greatest rivers in northeastern Canada, the Exploits River. And I mean, when that thing would freeze over, there would be games all the way up and down, everywhere from guys that look like pros to guys that look like me. You could find a pickup game anywhere. The ponds around us, they were the first to freeze because they were still waters, and we would go on it. And, but I learned as a kid, especially as a young kid, that you know there was this time when we would all gather on a Saturday morning, and we would test the ice. And I learned very quick to not test the older boys that would say, Dwayne, why don't you go on out there and see if the ice is good? I'm sure it's fine. Maybe you didn't have older boys in your life when you were a kid. But they would dare me to walk across the ice. Because, see, we all knew that until we could trust the ice, no one's playing hockey today. Until we knew the ice was thick enough, no one's playing hockey, no one's having fun. And so they would try to send me out. I'm like, whoa, 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 let's do a few things first. So we try to get the biggest rocks that we could, and we throw the rocks on the ice. Anybody ever throw rocks? I'm not talking about curling, okay? That's how curling was invented. But we would take the biggest rocks we could, and we'd throw them out. And if the rocks kind of went out, ting, 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 across the ice and didn't fall through, we're like, okay, it can hold a rock. And then I'd get the biggest stick that I could, and I'd walk in front, and I would try to break the ice in front of me walking out. I'm not giving instruction on how to do this today, by the way. (laughs) But I would try to break the ice in front of me and kind of go out, and it would seem kind of fine. And then I would start kind of skating around. I'm going, well, it seems to be okay. And if that was okay, I don't know why we didn't do this first, but someone's dad had an ice auger. Anybody know what an ice auger is? It's this big kind of drill, this big that you use for ice fishing. Don't you want to go to Canada right now and just kind of visit where I am? My Lord. And we would begin to drill a hole in the ice, and we'd go down, and then we'd check and go, yes, it is thick enough. And every year, I'm like, why didn't you guys do that first instead of throwing me out? So, whole other levels of stories. Because, see, here's the thing. The joy of playing hockey with all my buds, all my friends, was not even possible until we knew we could trust the ice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The life that God has for us, it's not even possible until we do what Isaiah talks about. You will keep in perfect peace, perfect peace, perfect shalom, those whose minds are steadfast on you because they trust in you. See, no one got to play until it was solid because we knew if if we fall through, we are in trouble. But see, once I knew the ice was solid, I mean, Saturday morning, I didn't even want to watch Saturday morning cartoons. And when I was a kid, that was the only time they came on. How many went through those hard times in life, right? Didn't even want to. I, would, I had my skates. I mean, I grabbed whatever I could to eat, and I just took off. And I was gone because getting to play hockey, and there's nothing like being the first person on the pond where it just has that nice smooth ice and Nothing could keep me away from it. It was a time of my life. 
And as I was just thinking through that, reminding that, the Lord just began to speak to me and say, Dwayne, that's the life I have for you. If you will trust me. If you will trust me. And you know, one of the things, you know, in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about how the Lord guards our hearts and our minds with peace, but it's prefaced with, is there any anxiety in your life, anything you're worried about? One of the first things that it says is to come to, to the Lord with thanks. Do you know why we do that? So many reasons. But we need to be reminded how good God is. Because as it relates to the trustworthiness of God, I mean, history has proven how we can trust God. And not only that, one of the reasons why we come together today is the body of Christ. You know, it may be a surprise to you, but when you give your life to Christ, one of the things that the Bible tells us to do is that we need to come together and be with people that otherwise you probably wouldn't even want to associate with. (laughs) Under other circumstances, you may not want to be a friend with me. But when we come to Jesus by faith and we gather together, the Lord calls us to come together to sit with people we wouldn't normally sit with, But in the body of Christ, this is where the rich and the poor and the old and the young and those with beautiful hair and those who are bald like me, we all come together. From all these different situations, every nation, every tribe, and we grow together and we present a picture of the body of Christ to a world that is looking for something better. This is where we grow. Because as I come together... I get to talk to people who have been serving the Lord for decades. And what I've found is that the more that they serve the Lord, the more they're like, I'm trusting Jesus. Though I have this sickness, I'm trusting Jesus. (laughs) Though I lost my job, or though my portfolio didn't perform the way it was supposed to, or though whatever, I'm trusting Jesus. Do you know what that does to me? Growing up from a very young age, step by step by step by step, This thickens the ice of trust for Jesus. That's why the body of Christ is so important. That when things come in, the Bible talks about how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. Because when we walk together in unity, it's not just our lives that are built. But the life around us go, Jesus is trustworthy. Because there are people from different walks of life that otherwise would never get together. When we walk in unity with one another, knowing that we're not perfect, this bed, this ice bed, whatever you want to, analogy you want to use, it thickens it. See, Jesus is unchanging, but our perceptions can be off. And when I get around the body of Christ that's in unity, knowing we have differences, but we work together through Jesus, it thickens that ice of trust in our life. Do you have any idea how powerful that is? A body of Christ that even though you mess up, we we love you, we're going to walk with you. Even though I mess up, you're going to love me and you're going to walk with me, right? Right? (laughs) That's what I'm hoping in. Because, and it's a testimony to the world. This is the trust that Jesus was talking about. And as the worship team comes back, see, we have an opportunity Because all of this, all of this, as we talk about the peace, the shalom, where things are brought back into order, and and we get it by trusting Jesus. 
See, I hinted to one of the key things that, you know, trust is not just, we don't just say I trust something, right? There's an action that goes through it. And that biblically, when we look at how trust is lived out, it's lived out in simple obedience. Profound obedience. But trust is lived out in obedience. It's not just a word. People are used to words. and There's so many words that we even have times when we just got to shut everything off. But as it relates to the shalom, shalom comes into our life as we trust and then we live it out in obedience. I love how the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, it said this. Let's read this together. Abundance, peace, belong to those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Are you getting that? Abundance, peace, the shalom, the shalom that Jesus has, it belongs to those who love your law. In other words, those who go, God, I want to know what you're telling me because I want to obey you. I want to walk with you. I want to sacrifice. I want to give everything up because there's a promise that comes with that as we trust the Lord, lived out in obedience. Nothing can cause us to stumble. Nothing can cause us to stumble. That's why Paul said, Paul said, look, I've learned the secret of being content. I've learned the secret in every situation that whether I'm fed or I'm hungry or I'm living in plenty or I'm living in want. What did Paul say? Paul said, I can do all this, all things, everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, when we completely trust Jesus, we experience this shalom because he's the prince of peace. He's the owner. He's the giver. But what that means is that we need to trust him. Jesus has nothing to prove. He's proved himself. We need to trust and stand on that and then say, Jesus, speak. Your servants, we are listening. Is that your heart today? Speak, Lord, I'm listening. Amen. So, Lord, as we come to this time today, Lord, I pray for everyone here today. God, that wherever we are, I don't know where everyone is, but you know, you see. And, Lord, I, I pray that prayer, that shalom over my friends today, over this community today. But, God, we know faith without works is dead, that there's an action required of us. So Lord, give us, give us the confidence in you and Lord, the boldness to, to walk obediently so that we can have peace this season, I pray in your name. And everyone said together, amen. So how are we gonna respond today? A couple ways. You gotta respond wherever you are. <laughs> if you want peace, it requires that. But just take a moment. We got a few moments here. We got time. But as it relates to peace, ask yourself, how is your shalom today? How is your peace? Meaning, what, are, are there things in your life that are kind of out of order? Are there things in your life where it's just there's gaps, there's, there's things missing? You know, healing begins with identification. We call it confession. What areas are out of order, what areas need to be reconciled, made complete, and made whole? So I want to invite you to think about that.
Think about that. And then, of course, the next step is pray. This is what Jesus told all of his disciples. He said, pray, pray. We're having problems, Jesus. Pray. <laughs> pray changes things because prayer changes us, and we recognize, man, I'm, I'm standing on something solid today. Prayer changes things because it changes you. It changes me. And that's that verse I quoted earlier. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then thank Him. Thank Him for what He's done. Feel that ice thickening beneath you. And then the promise is that then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And it will guard your hearts and your minds. So I want you to identify it. I want you to pray. And that may be with the person next to you. That may be with our prayer team. I'm going to invite them to go ahead and come forward now. We're going to the prayer wall. I'm just, just writing things down. But then I want to invite you to trust. Where is Jesus calling you to trust him? What steps of obedience is Jesus telling you to take today in order to receive the peace he's taking from you? Do you have your invitation today, right? It begins with identifying where are things out of order. <laughs> Confess that, pray, and then identify, God, where are you calling me to trust? Let's all stand together today. So, Lord, now we walk by faith, not by sight, trusting you. Father, your will is that we would all experience that shalom, that peace of things being brought back to order, but it's only through you. So, Lord, give us Give us that boldness to pray, to confess to one another. And Lord, then identify those areas where we need to walk in trust today. And everyone said, amen. Just thank the Lord for his goodness. Think about the ways he's, he's walking with you even now. Father, we, just, we think about, it's good to think about your faithfulness, your goodness. Lord, if, if you didn't do anything else, we look back on how you gave your life for Someone like me so that I can be reconciled to you. So, Lord, you've done everything. You've done more than I deserve. So, God, I give you thanks. We give you thanks today. We give you thanks. And, Lord, I pray for all those here today that are seekers of peace. God, may we look to you. May we look to you. And if that's you here today, I know we've been responding, but you're like, yeah, I'll take another prayer for just things being made right in my life, for peace in my life, peace in my family. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord as a sign of God? I'm surrendering to you. You're the Prince of Peace. So, Lord, I lift my hands saying, Lord, walk in my life. Bring peace to my situations. Bring, restore the relationships that are broken, oh God. And, Lord, show me the areas that I need to trust in you. And then, God, help me to hear from you the areas where I need to walk in obedience. And Holy Spirit, give me the strength to walk in obedience. Where I need to ask for forgiveness, Lord, help me to humble myself and ask for forgiveness. And where I need to forgive others, God, help me to forgive those who've done wrong that just as I've been forgiven, Lord, may I freely forgive. That's the prayer you taught us. So we trust in you. We trust in you. Almighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of what? Peace. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Isn't the Lord good? Isn't the Lord good? Some of you trying to clap. We'll, 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 we'll join those people. 
Amen. You know, as we walk through, we talk about hope. I'm praying that, boy, that the hope of the Lord will just arise within you. And this peace, let me encourage you to dig in. All the notes are on the Church Center app. It's the Lord's Word. We, we focus on the Word of God. Let it speak to you. And let me encourage you to kind of to continue to walk th- this out in your life. You know, there's areas where there's times the ice might feel thin, and sometimes it feels thick. If you feel that ice thinning, you need to go to somebody who's been walking with the Lord. Go to somebody, you know, they're following Jesus. I want to walk with them. That's discipleship. And pray together and be reminded because God is solid. But we need to be reminded. We need to walk in that and trust and obey. Amen? And as we do that, what? The peace of the Lord that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. That's my prayer for you. Amen. Well, this is our benediction. Let's, let's say this as we continue in the day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. What a great word. Now go and live for Jesus. Love you all, my friends. God bless you.